Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning lovely saunterers, here we go. We're sauntering again. It's a cold easterly wind today blowing over Weymouth. But we're alive and kicking, ready to get into the Word of God. And we've got some exciting stuff today. This chapter really opens up the story of Joseph. And, oh man, it's so rich and nutritious and helpful. Whatever walk of life you're in, if you're in employment, if you're a business person, if you're in prison, if you're chasing a dream... This story has got something for you. Good morning, Fran and Kathy and Mary. Let's pray. (coughs) Lord Jesus, we love you. And we're so grateful to you for everything you've given us. And we ask you now that you speak to us and you'd open our hearts and just come and be with us and have fellowship with us now as we look at your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. Here we go. Good morning, Flor. Buenos dias. Good morning, Fliss. And... Uh, so now we've got chapter 39 is a very famous story and I knew this story growing up and it helped me when I was at college and I found myself in a very predic- um, interesting predicament. Good morning, Nikki. Uh, verse, chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. Remember, he'd been sold by his brothers into slavery to the um, uh, Ishmaelite traders. And they'd taken him off to Egypt and sold him as a slave. Wow, this is a big deal. Let's read the story. So Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had bought him, sorry, had brought him down there. Sorry, oh, let me start again. This is terrible reading, Paul. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. It's too many boughts and broughts. I'm getting confused. And let's just pause for a second. Jacob comes from a very, very wealthy family. His dad, um, Jacob, and his granddad, Isaac, and his great-granddad, Abraham, they had become so wealthy, they were like Bedouin sheikhs, and they were princes in the region. They owned massive herds of animals, they owned land, they grew corn, they were settled farmers, not just nomadic herdsmen. These guys were powerful, wealthy people. They were entrepreneurs, business people, men and women of esteem. They had beautiful wives. And we see these this DNA coming into Je- Joseph 
and possibly getting him into a bit of trouble as as the story unfolds. So this is a new experience really for him to be suddenly a slave, deprived of everything, no property, no rights, nada, zippity-doo-dah, absolutely kind of completely at the mercy of his masters. And so there he is, the Lord was with Joseph. So we can say all of that, but the Lord was with him. And that's the, so that's the incredible um, deciding factor. That's the, it's like weighting the balance so heavily in Joseph's favour. Even though he's got nothing, he's got the Lord. That is incredible. We were hearing yesterday about the pearl of great price and how would we give up all the riches, everything this world has to give to gain Jesus? Well, Joseph had literally forfeited everything by the treachery of his brothers, but God was with Joseph. Come on. Woohoo. Um, so the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Some translations say he prospered. He, he, even though he was a slave, he prospered. What he did went well. His enterprises and his efforts were blessed and went went well. And he was in the house of this of his Egyptian master. So this is just a few things about Potiphar. Potiphar's name means dedicated or belonging to the sun, as in S-U-N. So he was someone who from birth had been dedicated to the sun as a god who the Egyptians worshipped. And he also, where it says he was an officer, that word there can mean eunuch. And so it may be that Potiphar had had certain things done to him that um, removed certain vital bits of his body um, so that he couldn't interfere with any of Pharaoh's women because he was close to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. And that was often the way they treated their close officials and they made them into eunuchs. And it probably happened to Daniel. Didn't seem to happen to Joseph, interestingly, because, plot spoiler, he does end up having kids. But um, this is really an interesting possibility because Potiphar is actually married. So we'll see as the story unfolds. So, but he was a hugely influential guy that Joseph is with. And Joseph becomes a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse three says his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. The evidence that God was with him was that everything he did succeeded. God was going before Joseph and just making it work for him. Isn't that incredible? Even though he was a slave. Now, whatever situation you and I find ourselves in, if God is with us, then the evidence of that will begin to become visible in our lives and in our sphere of influence, whatever that may be. Even if we've had all our rights deprived um, of, of us, of, I think that's bad grammar, even if we've been deprived of all of our rights and find ourselves in a very, very vulnerable situation, if God is with us, we have the majority, we have the advantage and this is incredible. And it was visible to his master. I think this is what's important. And I'm looking for God's favour on his people to be visible, not just to other discerning people who can see that, but to people who don't even believe in God. They can see the favour resting on 
his people. And I, I've got some wonderful examples that I'm aware of right now where God is doing precisely that and his favour is going before people and just making a way for them. And they're quickly prospering in, in their given field. It's really, really, really exciting. So Joseph found favour in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, he made him overseer in his house. Sorry, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Isn't that incredible? Joseph was such a good servant to his master that the master didn't have to concern himself about anything. Right, now listen, this is really important. Joseph had no rights. He did not belong to a trade union. He didn't have somebody in HR fighting his corner. He had no rights, and we'll see that in just a second. And yet, he was put in charge of everything that the master had, that Potiphar had. Potiphar trusted him with totally everything. And this is the thing, that Joseph made it his business to look after his employer and his employer's interests. So his employer knew that everything he had was completely safe with Joseph and he could trust him with it. All he just, it, it was just a question of whether he was going to have caviar or whatever for breakfast and champagne do you know what I mean he he just all he Joseph took care of absolutely all of his business enterprises and listen he had houses and fields and he left them all in Joseph's charge he had staff he left them all in Joseph's charge Joseph was in charge of the whole household and all of Potiphar's business enterprise whatever that may have been this is incredible and if you're an in a place of employment how about you read this and you take this on board and you say god give me the favor of joseph and let me be a servant to my to my employers like joseph was because let me tell you something god blesses that and god prospers that and it, even though things don't work out so well for joseph in the short term he ends up getting into some difficulty wow what a way to progress in your work. You just take care of everything and the boss ends up just saying, well, come on, you, you, know, you run the business, basically. Amazing. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Can you remember? His, his great-granny was the most beautiful woman, Sarah. Um, his grandmother, Rebecca, was a beautiful woman. His mother, Rachel, was gorgeous. Do you know what I mean? So all of that DNA is coming into Joseph and he's a good looking chap. He's well put together. He's got it going on in all departments. He's handsome in form and appearance. So he had a nice physique as well as a good looking face and everything else. And I'm sure he spoke well and was courteous and all the rest of it. Otherwise, he would not have gone on, um, got, gone on, got on so well. He wouldn't have got on so well. Gosh, my grandma this morning. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. 
Well, it may be. I mean, we can speculate if her husband was a eunuch and this was just a marriage of political significance and there wasn't anything kind of on the uh, sexual menu going on for her, maybe. And she's just bored and she's got everything she wants and Joseph's taking care of her and bringing, you know, taking care of the whole household, her included. I'm sure she had a very nice life. And then she had time to idly think about Joseph. And and so she tries it on with him. She says, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, and I love this, he doesn't just dodge the question. He doesn't enter into some kind of banter and sort of play along with it. Oh, come on, you know, you and yeah, you're way above me sort of thing. Oh, you know, surely not. And oh, I couldn't possibly. He is adamant and he's clear in his in his speech. And this is really important. He's not at fault with anything he says. So he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you're his wife. How can I do then do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. He wasn't even going to come and sit down. Come and sit by me, Joseph, on the couch. He didn't even indulge in that. He was just adamant. And I love that he was explicit in what he said. He said, no, that's not going to happen. I listen and listen to what he says. He says, even my master is not greater than me. He said, I'm as important as my master is in this house. He has withheld one thing from me and one thing only, and that is you because you're his wife. You know, come on. How could I do this to you? How could I do this to him? And more importantly, Joseph says, how could I then do this great wickedness and sin against God? There are some Christians who really, really should read this chapter. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What is the great wickedness that he's saying he can't do? It is called adultery. It's called sleeping or having sex with somebody else's spouse. That is a great sin, a great wickedness, Joseph says, and it would be against God. It's not only against my master and all of his kindness to me. And Joseph is able to recognize that his master has been kind to him and acknowledge it and and respect that. But he's he also says, no, this this is a great wickedness against God. <coughs> and and he wouldn't listen to her. And I'm sure she turned on all the charm and tried all the things. Oh, well, you don't know. My husband doesn't love me. He doesn't show me affection. He's always away on business, blah, blah, blah. And he, she, he, she doesn't do, yeah, maybe she does all of that. But Joseph doesn't buy, he's not buying, excuse me. Joseph is not to be persuaded. And, and I love it. And, um. As I said earlier in, uh, you know, in my preamble, I when I was away at college, I did have a situation not very different to this, although it wasn't, um, or some of the detail was different. But 
because I knew this story and I'd been brought up on this stuff and I'd read this account myself and heard, you know, seeing Joseph's example, God kept me in a, in a very perilous situation as a young 19 year old. And so God is good. And he said, but he wouldn't listen to her. He wouldn't lie beside her or anything. He wouldn't even be with her. He avoided where she was. He, if he could hear her coming, he'd scuttle off and busy himself outside. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house. So there, this is the other servants and other staff and so on. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid his garment by her until her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant who you brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Poor Joseph. Poor, poor Joseph. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's, it's all of that, isn't it? And, and I mean, Lloyd Webber made a, a lot of money out of his story. But it's such an incredible story. He can't defend himself. He doesn't even try. And it's so interesting. He doesn't even try and answer his accuser. And in the, in so many ways, Joseph is a living picture of Jesus. And Jesus, before his accusers, he didn't open his mouth. Isaiah said he didn't open his mouth. Pilate said, aren't you going to say anything when, when he was accusing Jesus? And... And uh, so jo Joseph doesn't try and defend himself. He knows that that there's nothing he can say that to redeem the situation. And he, she's got him, hasn't she? There's the evidence, the garment. She's got the evidence and there was no one else there. She called out when he ran away, not when he was trying to attack her because he wasn't. And oh my, anyway, verse 19 as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Now, we don't get the sense in this story that his master's anger was kindled to a sufficient level because Joseph could have been chopped on the spot. He could have had his head chopped off. He could have been killed there and then this was the captain of the guard you know he would have had plenty of swords to play with and plenty of people who were happy to dispatch a, an unworthy servant who had tried to lay a finger on the master's wife he would have had plenty of staff ready to do that but joseph uh, but <laughs> potiphar doesn't he throws Joseph in prison. It makes you wonder whether he kind of smelled a rat and thought, mm, I bet my wife's in on this. I know I know she's, yeah, I've seen the way she looks at Joseph when he's around the house. Um, and he threw him in prison instead of killing him. So anyway, so Joseph's master took him, verse 20, and threw him 
put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So this is kind of like the royal prison where the people who, who upset the king end up. And he was there in prison. So this is, although it looks like a complete disaster, this is a strategic move for Joseph. It seems like everything's gone south. All that beautiful favour he had resting on him in Potiphar's house seems all but wasted. It's all gone to nothing. He's thrown into prison. He's got even less rights than he had when he was a slave. He can't even move about freely anymore. And they, um, let's not even think about what the prisons were like. I mean, goodness sake, they wouldn't have been a nice place to be. And uh, so verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. <laughs> He's in prison, but the Lord was with him. What does that mean? The Lord was there in prison with him. Isn't that incredible? The Lord was in prison with Joseph. I don't think we read it properly. Come on. The Lord was with him. The Lord was there with him when he was in slavery in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with him in prison. <laughs> when Jesus said, I was in prison and you visited me, this is this. This is Jesus in prison with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, we are so much into our rights in the liberal West, aren't we? And we want to get what we're entitled to. Nothing wrong with that. But this is a moment where Joseph has all of his rights stripped away. And it's also unjust. He should. I mean, he was a bit of a pain, but he shouldn't have been sold into slavery by his brothers. And he was actually doing a phenomenal job for Potiphar and just an incredible blessing to Potiphar. Can you imagine Potiphar stuck at home with his wife and no Joseph thinking, oh, my goodness, I wish Joseph was back. Now I've got to think about all this stuff Joseph was thinking about for me. and It's all come back to me. What a pain. And um, but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him steadfast. I love that. Showed him steadfast love. That's a, a, a sense that comes out a lot in the Psalms of David. This thing about God's steadfast love. Good morning, Mark Wade. How are you? And uh, so this is incredible. But the Lord was uh, he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And he's told us that three times in one chapter. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Do you have enough confidence in the Lord that even when you find yourself in a really, really unwelcome situation, one that is not of your choosing, is not really of your making, you feel like this is so unjust that this should happen to me. Do you have the poise of Joseph to find Jesus in the middle of all of that and to find his steadfast love ministering to your heart and just taking care of you. How did the Lord show steadfast love to Joseph? How did he do that? 
well, he gave him favour, but I'm sure there was a relationship developing between Joseph and the Lord in these dark times. Now, I said before, I listened recently to a YouTube video by Richard Vermrand, who was in prison for underground for 11 years, never saw the light of day, never saw a woman, never saw a colour, no one ever spoke to him except, and he never saw another prisoner, no one ever spoke to him except in the brainwashing sessions where they would tell him, nobody loves you, you are all forgotten about, nobody on the outside even remembers you, you know, and all this kind of stuff for 11 years. And yet God was with him and God met with him. And even in that dark, barren place, underground, with no light of day for 11 years, he had these encounters with God. He met with God and just and found ways of communicating by tapping on the wall by Morse code to the other prisoners. In, and they would pass around. They shared communion, but they never had any bread and wine. They just shared communion just with nothing, with they with just the elements. And they worked it out that God had created the universe from nothing. So bread and wine were made from nothing. So they decided they would, you know, somehow they worked it out. And they had these glorious moments of holy communion where they communi could only communicate by Morse code tapping on the walls. And in the middle of all of that deprivation, he became this shining beauty for Jesus and it oh man what an incredible what an incredible journey but the Lord was with Joseph in prison and everything he did prospered and he rises whatever pile he's in he rises to the top of it and that's what the favor of God does we have some friends in Poland and they they used to say to us when we didn't have money we had favor and favor opens doors it makes a way for us it creates opportunities for us whatever situation you're in instead of trying to campaign to get your rights and get your bit of whatever you're entitled to how about finding Jesus in the middle of that situation and saying God come on then let your favor be on me let your favor set me apart let me become visible to my employers to my managers and so on and so on and let me and just make a way for me, whatever situation I'm in. This is so exciting. I love it. The favor of God. Oh man, we could think about that all day, couldn't we? Lord Jesus, let your favor rest on us today. Whatever situation we're in, make a way for us, even in those deadlock situations. In Jesus' glorious, beautiful, excellent, wonderful name. Amen. Have an amazing day. God bless you. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful, rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page. And my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit.
And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him, but more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden, and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops, and, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much.